Good morning. My brother-in-law has a really strange party trick. If you name any two places in the UK, he will be able to tell you off the top of his head how to get from one to the other by road. So if you said to him, David, how do I get from Bristol to Lincoln? He would say, well, you take the M5 from Bristol, you join the M42, then when you get to Birmingham, you take the M6, then you go over to Coventry, M69, pick that up there, then over to Leicester, briefly go on the M1, and then hit the A46, which is the Leicester Western Bypass, all the way to the A57, and that will take you into Lincoln. And he just does it off the top of his head, just like that. He tells us he gained these skills as a kid, he, when he was quiet moments, he, he liked to just sit and read road atlases. I know that sounds really odd, but that's what he'd like to do. He'd get the atlas out. He'd start drawing pictures of the maps himself. He'd just memorise the routes to the extent that by, by the time he was the age of nine, if he went on a long journey with his parents, he would navigate for the family because he had a better understanding of Britain's road system than his parents did. But you know what? Map reading is actually a bit of a dying art. There was an article in The Independent uh, last year which said that there's a genuine worry that the younger generation are not really learning how to map read. In fact, six out of 10 millennials would say that they always rely on their mobile phone, Google Maps or whatever it is, to get them somewhere that they've not been before. In fact, 53% of them said they would genuinely struggle to get somewhere new if they didn't have some sort of digital map to use. There's a sense nowadays that rather than studying and carefully planning and working out a route for ourselves, we, we're much happier just to rely on technology to do the job for us and just trust that it's going to get it right. What I want to suggest to you, though, that that is not necessarily a modern issue. Actually, we see in the Bible a great example of the believers, the early church, following an altogether very different kind of navigation system. We've been studying the book of Acts together as a church for some time now, and we've reached the point where we're looking at the story of Paul, one of the early church leaders, and his missionary journeys. This is a really exciting part of the, of the, of the scriptures. It's time where the early church breaks out of just being a group of ex-Jews in Jerusalem and starts to go to the wider world, to the Gentile world. And we've seen in last week's talk, which Matt gave, you can find that on our YouTube page, we learned all about Paul's very first missionary journey, a journey he took away from Jerusalem and into Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And Matt's, uh, Matt's story last week focused on a town called Lystra. This week, we're going to look a few years later when Paul goes on his second missionary journey, also into Asia Minor, but also much further. And this journey was all about trying to revisit the places he visited the first time and strengthen them, see how they're getting on, encourage them in their newfound faith. And this is a journey that Paul makes with his new friend Silas, very much to relying on God, not relying on maps and plans and carefully calculated routes by himself, but relying on God. And you know what? The journey does not go as he expected, but in a really good way. So the action takes place, as I say, in modern day Turkey and also in modern day Greece, but at the time it was Asia Minor and Macedonia, a time when these were Roman colonies, Roman provinces, split into several provinces actually, and separated by the Aegean Sea. And the journey starts the plan. Paul sets off as planned and goes to Lystra. He revisits that place that he visited on his first journey. But from that point onwards, we see things start to change as Paul follows a very different navigation system. 
His plan was to push from Lystra and go west into an area of modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, called Asia. Not to be confused with the big continent we know as Asia now. This was a small province in Turkey called Asia. That's where Paul planned to go. That's where we're going to pick up the story. If you turn to your Bibles, we're in Acts chapter 16 and it's verse 6. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. That's two of the areas of Asia Minor. Galatia is where Lystra was. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, another province, they tried to enter Bithynia, another province. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, that's modern day Greece, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I don't know if you can pick up there the remarkable reliance that Paul and Silas and their company had on this incredible sat-nav system Holy Spirit. You know, so much of what we've read about in Acts so far has been down to the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts 1, when Jesus is just about to ascend and leave his disciples, he promises that he will send his Holy Spirit, his presence, which would remain among them, even though he in his body was going to heaven. And since the Holy Spirit arrived, since Jesus made good in that promise in chapter 2 in Pentecost, miracles have happened, the church has spread and it has grown despite or even because of persecution. The believers have scattered and they're going all over the world with the gospel. What I want to look at today is five ways in which the Holy Spirit is better and unlike any other navigation system we might ever have used before. And here's the first way. With the Holy Spirit as your navigator, you don't necessarily end up in the place that you programmed in, or you don't necessarily take the route you expected. You see, Paul and Silas set off on this journey with a goal just to basically revisit the towns that they'd previously been to and check that everyone else was getting on okay. And maybe, maybe push into some extra areas of Turkey they'd not seen before, like Asia. But they don't just end up in new parts of Turkey. They end up on a different continent altogether. They cross the Aegean Sea and they go into Macedonia, ancient Greece, as we'll see. And it's all because the way the Holy Spirit leads them. You know, when we follow the Holy Spirit, we have to be prepared for him to take us to places that we never expected to go. And for some of us watching this, you might be in Liverpool as part of Freedom Church precisely because of that, because the Holy Spirit took you here when you weren't expecting it. Back in about 2011, 2012, me and my wife Debbie, we were living in Leeds and I was going every month over to Sheffield to go and study as part of a leadership training course with another church. And each month I'd take that journey over to Sheffield. Uh, I'd get a lift from Chris and Toria, my friends, who were also in Leeds with us, and they led, they led the church we were in at the time. And one day, I remember, I just started in the car just talking about my hometown, Liverpool. I just started waxing Liverpool, telling them what a great city it was, what wonderful people live in Liverpool, what a beautiful city it is, what, what a skyline we've got, the culture, the heritage, the sport, the music. I was just telling them how awesome Liverpool was. What I didn't know was the night before, Chris and Tor had a massive conversation where Chris had said to Tor for the first time, Tor, I feel like God is calling us to go and plant a church in Liverpool. 
Now, I don't want to throw Tor under the bus here, but she wasn't all that keen on the idea. And yet here they are the very next morning, sat in a car with some Scouse fella, telling them all about how wonderful Liverpool is. Chris and Tor had absolutely not asked for directions to Liverpool. But the Holy Spirit very much had Liverpool programmed in on his sat-nav for them. And eight years on, we know the story. They've lived in Liverpool for quite some time now. They've planted Freedom Church. The church is growing really well. And God has done amazing things through them. And me and Debbie, we're delighted we got to come on that journey with them. I'll tell you more about that later. But it's amazing how the Spirit does this. I wonder, watching this today, where might the Spirit lead you that you're just not expecting? I believe he's got plans and purposes for us that are way beyond what we could imagine. That's the first amazing thing about the Holy Spirit sat-nav. The second funny thing about the Holy Spirit sat-nav is that sometimes he spends more time telling us where not to go than where to go. Twice in this passage we see Paul and Silas receive direct intervention from the Spirit which stops them from going to places. In verse 6, it says the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching in Asia, Southwest Turkey. They wanted to go and preach the gospel there. The Holy Spirit said, no, you're not going. So they changed tack. Instead of going west, they do the only other thing they can do. They go north and they reach the border of another province called Bithynia. And what does it say? In verse seven, it says, when they came to Bithynia, the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do so. It's really strange, isn't it? Because Paul and Silas, all they were doing was trying to be obedient to what Jesus had commanded. He said to his disciples, I want you to go and preach the gospel. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. He wanted, to, he wanted them to go across the world, spread the gospel. So why would the Holy Spirit say, no, you can't go there. And no, you can't go there. And Paul and Silas are absolutely adamant. They're saying, this is the Holy Spirit that's stopping us. It's, it's nothing else. It's the Holy Spirit not allowing us. Why would he do that? What we do know is Paul writes later in 1 Corinthians 16, he talks about when he stays in a place, it's because a door of effective ministry has opened. And where a door of effective ministry doesn't open, he'll move on and go somewhere else. So we can only assume that for some reason that door didn't open for him in Asia and Bithynia at this time. But what we do know is that Asia and Bithynia later on do receive the gospel. In fact, we find out that in Nicaea, which was one of the major cities in Bithynia, Later on, that became a hotbed of Christianity. In fact, one of the most important councils in the early Christian church in 325 was held in Nicaea. So it's not that these places were just never to receive the gospel. It's just for some reason, it wasn't now. And it's funny because I think God had bigger ideas. He stops Paul and Silas going to Asia and Bithynia because he had a much bigger plan and vision for them. He wanted to take not just into more of Turkey, but beyond and into Greece, into a new continent for the gospel. And in Acts, that process just takes five short verses, that process of not Asia and not Bithynia, but now Macedonia. It just happens in five verses. But can you imagine how long it would have taken actually in real life? They would have been walking this distance. This is huge, hundreds of miles. It would have taken weeks and months. There would have been a lot of days where Paul and Silas were thinking, flipping it, God. What's going on? You keep shutting doors. You keep saying no. Where are we going? And there must have been some frustration while they waited for God to reveal what he wanted them to do. I wonder if you've ever experienced that in life where God seems to be saying no quite firmly to things without straight away opening up what he does want. You know, actually, we've experienced that as a, as a church a little bit in recent months. We've been praying and asking God that we would get a building of our own. 
We love the place that we meet and it's been great for us, but we would love to have our own building, which we can use every day all through the week to bless the community, to reach out into new areas of Liverpool and to own for ourselves. And at the start of that process, we said to, said to God, God, will you help us? Will you open the right doors and close the wrong doors? And do you know what? God has been utterly faithful in closing doors. He's closed door after door. I can every time we think, oh, this might be the place. Something happens and the door closes. It's not the right one. And he hasn't shown us where he is, the open door yet. But you know what? I trust, we trust that he will. He has got a building for us. It will be right at some point. And you know, at the moment, it's a total blessing, to be honest, that we don't own a building just now in this coronavirus crisis because we wouldn't be able to use it and we'd be paying all sorts of costs on it. I feel like God's just paused us on it and said, you know, there is a time and a place and it will be there, but not yet. We just have to keep trusting and believing. Like Paul and Silas said, they didn't know where the right place was. They just had to keep responding to the Spirit saying, no, no, and wait. But then he did. He did open up a door. And that's the third thing about the Holy Spirit sat now, is that sometimes he directs us without us even switching him on. Unable to get into Bithynia, Paul and Silas go the only other way they can go. Again, they go west and they go to the coastal town of Troas. This was a border town. It, it bordered the sea. And if you cross the sea, you were into Europe, into Greece and Macedonia, as it was then. And it was a Roman colony. And here we see in Troas, the Holy Spirit does something quite remarkable. Paul is asleep in the middle of the night and the Holy Spirit wakes him up with this vision. And this vision is an incredible experience. It's a vision of a man from Macedonia, just over the sea in Greece, begging Paul to cross the Aegean Sea, to come to Macedonia, to bring the good news of Jesus to a whole new continent. And again, we are crystal clear here that Paul is 100% certain this is God. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. He doesn't question it. He knows it's God. He doesn't analyse it. He knows in his gut, I've got to follow this. We're going to do this. You know, when the God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit, it's undeniable. No matter what method he uses, we don't even have to be listening to him, in particular for him to suddenly speak. I can, again, identify with this. Again, going back to the story of us moving from Leeds to Liverpool, you know, Chris and Tor have made the decision. They decided they were going to go and they invited me and Debbie and some other people, Matt and Becky and some other friends to come with them. And to be honest, it was difficult for us because although we love Liverpool and we always thought one day we'd like to come back here, we were really settled in Leeds. We had a great church, amazing friends, really good jobs, a house that we really enjoyed living in. There was no hurry for us at all to leave Leeds. We, we had it made, to be honest. We had everything we needed and more. It was a time of blessing. We didn't really want to rock the boat. But we were praying about it. And one morning in church, we were just, it was just a normal Sunday. We were singing worship songs as we always did as church. I was just worshiping. I was just praising God. I wasn't praying. I wasn't asking him for direction. I wasn't asking him to say anything to me. I was just worshiping. And suddenly, clear as a bell, as if someone was standing in front of me and speaking to me right there, I heard God say to me, go home, son, there's work to do. He said it three times, and I knew it was him. It had to be him. My heart was pounding in my chest. I just knew that God was speaking to me. There was no question, just like Paul, when, when he saw the vision of the Macedonian man. And a year later, when God had orchestrated everything we could possibly need to make the move. We moved, we were obedient to God's call and we came to Liverpool because the Holy Spirit had told us to. It's remarkable when the Holy Spirit chooses to speak and when he does, it is clear as a bell. We don't even have to turn him on. We don't even have to flick a switch and program something into our sat-nav. He chooses when to direct us. It's amazing. The fourth thing, the fourth way in which the Holy Spirit is like no other satnav you can ever think of is that the Holy Spirit can't just lead us to places, but he can direct us very specifically 
to people. When Paul arrives, if I let's read, let's read uh, Acts 16. We're going to read the next little bit of the story from verse 11 to 15. It says this, from Troas, we put out to sea. So they've seen the Macedonian man and they say, right, we're going from Troas. Let's go to Macedonia. Put out to sea, sailed straight to Samothrace. And the next day we went to Neapolis. And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district. And we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and we began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. When Paul arrives in Macedonia, he travels to Philippi. It's an important Roman city. And Paul's normal plan when he arrives in the city was to go straight for the synagogue where the Jews were, the people that he'd been brought up like, and preach to the Jews first and then the Gentiles after. But he can't really do that here because Philippi is a very Roman city. There isn't a synagogue. There's not enough Jews to necessitate a synagogue. And so he goes somewhere else. He goes and finds a place of prayer near the river. And he finds a group of women who are sympathetic to the Jewish faith, even though they don't have somewhere to worship. And he goes and preaches to them. And one of the women he speaks to there is Lydia. And Lydia turns out to be the exact person who Paul needs to meet in order to, as we said before, open a door for effective ministry. Lydia is likely a woman from the town of Lydia. Lydia might not have been a real name. It might have been the place she was from. And that town did have a Jewish population. So she had some knowledge of the, of the Jewish faith and of God. But here she becomes a follower of Jesus. And I love just an aside here that God's gospel really is for everyone. So far in the story of Jesus and the early church, we've seen him call all sorts of people, fishermen, dirty, stinky, uh, working class fishermen, tax collectors, hated Tax collectors who stole from their own people. Roman centurions came to follow Jesus. All sorts of different people, even Pharisees came, uh, came and, and like Paul was a Pharisee, high up in the Jewish faith, but captivated by Jesus. And now he calls Lydia. Lydia is a wealthy woman. She's a brilliant businesswoman. She's a dealer in purple cloth. Purple cloth was the most expensive type of cloth there was. It was a precious commodity. One of the types of dye that they used to make purple cloth required 10,000 crushed shellfish just to make one gram of dye. That's how precious it was. So Lydia was a woman of means. She was a wealthy woman and God calls her too. She's exactly who is needed to further the gospel in this place. We actually find out later in when Paul writes a letter back to the church that he establishes in Philippi with Lydia, that that church was able to help him and resource him to send him money and gifts to help him on his way in his future ministry. Paul actually says, all oh, the churches haven't helped me the way you guys have. You've resourced me. You've helped me. This is really, really a strategic person. The Holy Spirit leads Paul to. And it says in verse 15 that the Lord opened Lydia's heart to respond to Paul's message. Know what that says there. It doesn't say that Paul preached such a beautiful, stunning, highbrow message that Lydia couldn't help but be argued into the kingdom. No, it said that Paul preached and God, through his spirit, worked on Lydia's heart to open her up to the gospel. That's how God saves people. It is God who saves. We preach the gospel, but it's God who does the saving all every single time. 
How does Lydia hear the truth about God? It's by Paul preaching. But how is she saved? It's by the by God working on her heart. And we're like this, Christians. We, we, we like Paul, are given the responsibility of sharing the good news with the world. That's our, our job. But our job isn't to save people. Our job is to tell people the truth and then let God do the saving. The gospel has the power. It's in the message, not in the messenger. So the Holy Spirit... It's, it's these four things so far. We've got the Holy Spirit as sat-nav. It's better than sat-nav because you don't necessarily end up where, where you were programmed in to go. Sometimes you get told where not to go before you get told where to go. Sometimes he directs us even without us switching him on. And sometimes he leads us to people and not just places. I hope you can see clearly the work of the Holy Spirit sat-nav and how he directs us here. Paul set off on a journey to visit existing churches. But by the Spirit, he's prevented from going to some places and he's supernaturally called to enter a whole new place that he hadn't even thought of. And then he's led to a woman of means, a person who provides a wonderful base and finance for him to minister even more effectively than he could have before. Paul never programmed Philippi or Lydia into his satnav, but the Holy Spirit took him there anyway. The Holy Spirit leads us, he directs us, he opens things up, he closes things off, he speaks to us and he saves, he saves Lydia in this aspect. It's remarkable. And you might be wondering and watching and thinking, how is this even possible? Is this Holy Spirit sat now? Is this just something that Paul had? Was it just for him or Paul and Silas or just the early church? Or is this something that carries on today? And that leads me to my fifth and final point. The fifth way in which the Holy Spirit is like no other sat-nav system you could ever have. The Holy Spirit is available free of charge with no purchase necessary. You don't need to buy a phone and get a data plan and install Google Maps. You don't need to buy a TomTom system and mount it to your car dashboard. There's no purchase necessary. The Holy Spirit who did all this amazing stuff in Acts is available to us as he was then, completely free. When we accept the gospel, the good news of Jesus, life, death and resurrection for us, the news that he forgives our sins through his death, then the Holy Spirit can come and live in us and be our guide, but also be our helper and our friend. I've already talked about some of the moments in my life when I've really felt the Holy Spirit speak and do amazing things, but there's many others, some more and some less dramatic. We've barely scratched the surface here. What we've really focused on is on on is how the Holy Spirit acts as a guide, as a navigator for us. But he's so much more than that. He gives us spiritual gifts. He enables miraculous things like healing. He helps to convict us actually of the sin in us and help us to spot things in our lives that need to change. And he brings us refreshment. He brings living waters to our soul. He brings fruit out of our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit does all of this within us. And the amazing thing is that work starts even before we've become Christians. Like in Lydia's story, the Holy Spirit can start to work in our hearts, to switch us on and realise that we need God even before we've accepted him. The Bible says actually that all of us, every single one of us, is in need of God's forgiveness. We've all fallen short of his standards, but he has provided the solution by sending his son Jesus to die and to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin. And it's the Holy Spirit that helps us to awaken to that fact. And when we accept the truth of that, the Holy Spirit then comes and dwells in us to help us to live in the goodness of it and to grow in our relationship with God. I just wonder if during COVID-19, maybe you've awakened during this pandemic to realise that 
you're not as in control of your life as you would like to be. Maybe it's hit you for the first time that life is fragile and that you don't get to choose who lives and who dies or, or, or when. Maybe you realise that life can be gone in an instant and you've never really thought of it that way before. Maybe you've had time to stop and think about where your own life is headed. Maybe you've had a destination, a goal in your own personal satnav that you've been working towards and you've suddenly realised, actually, this isn't working, this isn't helping me. It's not going to happen. Maybe you realise you're not satisfied with where you are going. Maybe it's got you really starting to think about what happens when you die. Whether there is a God, whether there is an afterlife, and if so, what does that mean for you? It might even be, just like Lydia, that the Holy Spirit is just starting to work on your heart, just starting to give you a little inkling that there might be something in this God thing. and You might need to pay some more attention. I want to offer you something this morning. I want to offer you not just the Holy Spirit, but the whole package. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He wants to come into your life. He wants to bring refreshment. He wants to bring you forgiveness, to bring you living waters, to change your life around. He wants to refresh you and start a new, exciting journey with him, navigated by the Spirit. He loves you. He's passionate for you. And right now, that's the, the extent that he sent his son to die for you. There's an opportunity right now, even as you watch this, even if you sit in your lounge and watch this video, there's an opportunity for you to accept God, to put your trust in him and to turn from your sin and accept the gift of his son's grace for you and for the spirit to come and live within you right now. And in doing that, you'll be given a new life, a life with the spirit in you and a new hope for the future. Assurance of eternal life with God. If you don't know Jesus this morning, that's the opportunity that's there for you. I invite you, it's a free gift to get this Holy Spirit navigation system and so much more in your life right now to turn your life around. If you are a Christian and you've already got the Spirit in you, then this is an opportunity just to drink again from his wells of living water, to ask him to come again to refresh you. Maybe you're seeking some, some fresh navigation in your life. Maybe you want the Spirit to just put on your heart a new adventure. Maybe that's what you need to respond to this morning. But don't miss this opportunity to respond, to invite the Spirit to come in, to refresh you, to change your life and to take you on a brand new adventure. He's so much more than any satnav you've ever met before. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the living God in us today. Thanks for listening.